Grace Baptist Church in Winchester would like to welcome you to our radio broadcast. Let's join the service already in progress. It's pretty cool, right? Can we give God some praise that he is working in and through uh, lots and lots of our missionaries around the world. If you all would return to your feet, we're going to continue to sing together. We spent a phenomenal last weekend, uh, and this weekend has been no different. So we're going to sing some some missions oriented and focused songs and so we'll teach if you were at the uh, virtual mission trip last weekend uh you would have heard us do this one so we'll teach it to you today and it's called sing the gospel here we go let's sing together Of the King of Glory, the wondrous mysteries of God. Fear not that you are weak, for He is able to sing through you a Shout the good news from the mountain, all ye 
before the ages You stand the test of time The king of new creation Restoring hearts like mine You are the way, you are the light Jesus
Amen. You may be seated. That's what it's about, driven by love to the whole world knows. Amen. And I'm telling you, that's what God has called us to do. And as I shared in our life groups this morning, it's not that we got to, but we get to. We get to. Uh, I shared a little illustration. Um, I'm going to introduce you to our speaker, but I need to introduce you to Benjamin Walton newest grandson of the Finley clan. We have a grandson, Benjamin Wayne Walton. And uh, I have pictures if you'd like to see him after church, all right? So uh, uh, he was born just a few hours ago, and uh, I love missions. I think you know my heart for missions, so I'm going to be here. But you're talking about a torn preacher right now, So, uh, but we can't wait to get down there uh, soon uh, after the missions fair. Uh, but uh, uh, you, you know when you got those little kids and and, and they're going to help Peppa or Poppy. And Come on, you can be my helper. Now, I don't need them to do that, but I want them to do that. And I want them to get the joy. And that's the way it is with us and God with missions. We get to come along. He's, he don't need us. He lets us get in on what he's doing. And our guest speaker this morning is a pastor in northern Ohio. Uh, he's not a Buckeye at heart. He is a Razorback fan. So that, number one, that's a prayer request right there. Uh, but uh, uh, we met Roy, we figured out last night, 12 or 13 years ago. And uh, we serve on a little missions board together. And uh, Roy pastors a great church. By the way, April, stand up. This is his wife, April. Let her know we're glad to have her with us. We always like her with Roy. She keeps him in line. 
Um, but uh, um, just a great church, a great missions church, and a great soul-winning church. Lots of people saved every every month and every week there. It's just really cool to hear what God's doing through Grace Fellowship Church up in uh, northern Ohio. But uh, I've asked Roy to come and just kind of share what God's laid on his heart as he challenges us for the cause of missions. Would you let my friend Roy Mack know we're delighted to have him with us today. Thank you so much, Pat. All right, what a joy to, to, <clears throat> to be here. And uh, normally I get to go somewhere and uh, preach out, and it's, it's a, like a day off because, you know, most of our pastor friends, they have like one service these days. And uh, you got two, I got three. And uh, so, uh, so I guess I get a little bit of a break. But I did speak last night here too, I guess, so technically with that. But uh, I'm um, looking forward to seeing about 25 more of those pictures of that grandchild when we get together. And uh, my, um, uh, I've been blessed. I know this will shock you because you can't imagine that I'd be this old. But I have eight grandchildren, and uh, April and I do. And uh, the youngest, number eight, um, finally is um, named after me. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for that. They named him as a, as a first name, Mac, and uh, he is now my favorite, is how that works. And he'll be able to do anything he wants. Basically, they all do that, though, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole idea of grandchildren. But uh, what a joy to be here. And uh, uh, Pat and I have, um, you know what? We've got what I call a growing friendship, because we only get to see each other uh, usually about once a year at a, at a meeting. But that's become a little bit more. We found out we have a lot of um, uh, missionaries that we share together and missions partners. And so uh, maybe we'll be seeing a lot more of one another in uh, days to come. But I'm grateful for uh, all that I hear going on here. I'm grateful for a, a missions church. And I'm certainly grateful to uh, Pat for your friendship and to have an opportunity to be here to speak to your people and to be trusted to do so. And word on the street is that this is the favorite service. <laughs> well, I tried anyway, all right, so word on the street is this is the quiet service, I bet, is what it's going to be. I, know, I, I told him, I said, my Saturday night service, i got to peel people off the rafters. They're so jacked up when they get in there, and it's our, it's our largest service, by the way. I come back in as Sunday at, at 9 is our service, and I'm telling you, boy, they're battling it to get there. You know, it's all they can do to crawl out of their car and pull up on a seat, uh, and then they get, they're happy before they leave, you know. Then 11 o'clock, it kind of moderates, so I, I get it. But the serious Christians are, are here at the first service. Amen? Amen? We'll, we'll establish that, the serious Christians. Well, um, I appreciate, again, the opportunity. And I, I want to just, uh, my message title today is, is as you see, reevaluation. And uh, I went to school in Arkansas, so I'm not even sure if it's spelled right, but uh, there it is anyway. Uh, but hey, I'm in Kentucky, right? <laughs> right? So we, we're not sure either way. Uh, but I know this, I love missions and, and what an incredible thought. Uh, and it's already been said a few times, uh, Pastor Pat was just saying it, it's been in our music today, it was, we talked about it last night. What a privilege is ours that we get to partner with God. I mean, if you just really get a hold of that, I mean, just wow. God is letting me and you have a part in what He, what he wants to do in the world, uh, the entire world. Uh, if you hadn't got happy about anything yet today, just be happy about this, that you save, you're clothed, and in your right mind sitting in church this morning. And when most of the world hadn't heard the good news yet. Uh, but here you are, and with that comes this wonderful responsibility that we get to partner with God. Now, there, there are some things in life that when you discover them, 
they cause us to reevaluate the worth of everything else in our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about in one simple verse uh, this morning, and that is Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Right in the middle of the kingdom parables, there's one of my favorites is just this, just uh, the one verse. Again, in other words, there's a continuation of thought here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. So what you have here is Jesus telling this story of a man who cuts through a field, maybe it's a shortcut uh, out of his way somewhere, but he stumbles uh, perhaps across some buried treasure, and when he finds it, he realizes it's worth more than everything that he has at his own home. And so he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys the entire field that he might have the treasure. Uh, uh, maybe there's somebody here that you could appreciate this. Ladies, you go in a store and you're a little short on funds, forgot the credit card, but you find the deal of a century. And you, you hide it somewhere in the store. And then you come back when you have your money together and find it in another section in the wrong size and the wrong colors or whatever. But you know where you can go find it. I know none of y'all have ever done that. Um, I, I know this will surprise you after you heard me talk for a few minutes, but I grew up on a farm uh, in Arkansas, last house on a dirt road, nowhere on the map, uh, that kind of upbringing. And I'll be honest with you, uh, it is through the filter of my upbringing I see many of the things that are in uh, the scriptures. And there's oftentimes... I have uh, been going fishing somewhere and I thought, you know, if I cut through, you know, this field and the Roberts field and the Joneses field and I think I can get over here to this other place where I want to fish or I want to hunt and oftentimes that kind of puts you on new territory and so I'm out of my way and maybe I find something in, the, in that field and Jesus here oftentimes speaks to his listeners in parables, word stories, pictures, these uh, these truths that everybody could identify with and you could see it in your own culture and it painted a picture in your mind, and it had all these incredible deep, and, and, and with this past, this one verse, an incredibly deep meaning. We could spend the rest of our lives studying that verse and not get to all of it. That's, that's the God's truth. So it's just this simple statement that we all see, but the whole history uh, of an entire nation is literally uh, there in that verse. But a word picture, you guys get that in Kentucky, because that's what we do in the South, is we give word pictures. You know, that's crooked as a dog's hind leg. Right? That's as twisted up as a pig's tail. As sure as a martin bird's headed for his gourd. As sure as there's a cow in Texas. As sure as they play basketball in Kentucky. Or as sure as there's a racehorse in Kentucky. And what does that do? It paints a picture that we all associate with that. And we, we, we get that meaning of that. Uh, I hope this message does not fall flatter than a one-egg pudding. Right? You, you, you get the idea. Uh, so, uh, in the parable here, there's a transition in your Bible, from what Jesus has been teaching earlier, and Jesus has been teaching his disciples, and now us, through the preservation of the Word of God, that there's going to be, uh, remember what it said earlier, uh, a sower went out to sow seed, righteous seed was sown. And Jesus says that that seed is the Word of God, and it's also the work of God, but then Satan is going to hinder uh, the work of God, both from within and from without, and those are parables that are just one after another. And then we know the condition of the souls, the condition of the heart. And Jesus tells us all these things leading uh, up to uh, the spot that I'm going to bring you to. So uh, after the parable of the sower, you see three parables right in a row. And that is a trilogy of sorts. 
just three little quick stories. And really the whole history of all mankind are in those three uh, stories. The, the one that I'm talking about uh, today, the treasure in the field, is mainly about Israel. And then there's the parable of the, of the pearl of the great price, and that is mainly about the church. And then the parable of the dragnet is mainly about the judgment of unbelievers. And the, all of these are a mystery of sorts. So when you find a mystery, what do you do? You, you, you take what you know to be true, and then you begin to add it into the scriptures of thinking this way. Who is speaking? Who is he speaking to? What is the culture? What is the setting? Uh, what's this story that we're all supposed to see? And that's how you come to solve a history. And then mainly you can look back through all of history. And if you had never heard this, all of history is his story. His story. So we look back through his story and we see all that God is doing uh, in the world. So I want to do a few things in this message uh, this morning as time allows. One is to give you a, a quick theological perspective very quick, uh, then some practical principles, and then we're going to end with a, a plan of reevaluation as it relates to this story and as it relates to uh, missions for us. So the theological perspective, uh, very quickly, is, is this, the field in the parable. When he says he went through a field, the field in the parable is speaking of the world, the world. The world was intended by God to be a display of his kingdom, and Satan has really uh, really fouled that up. We, our world is full of chaos today. Would you agree? I don't know about where you're out here in Kentucky, but in my part of the world, they're all confused. Boys don't know if they're girls, and girls don't know if they're boys, and we don't know what bathroom to go to. We don't know what's going on in the world. I mean, it is, a, is confusion everywhere uh, in the world. Now, with that, that's because of sin, of course, and probably the most famous two Bible verses uh, that there are is, of course, uh, the first one, Genesis 1-2, and uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 1-1 uh, is simply, in the beginning God created the, the heavens and the earth. Most people know that because they've opened the Bible somewhere along the way and at least read the first verse. And then, of course, John 3-16, we know that because it's a good football uh, verse, right? We hold it up in the signs at the ball games uh, or at basketball games, for God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son, and you, you know the verse. Uh, then there's Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth. That is a picture of the world without God's light. That is the same picture that is intended, and I'm talking about word pictures now. We understand without the gospel, our life would be without form and dark, and there's a void. That's, that's our lives without, without Christ and His light. So John 3.16, again, speaks of his love for the world and the people who would live in this darkness. And he's telling them, I so love you, I'm going to send my son, and he will be the redeemer. But how shall they hear without a preacher? How will they hear without missionaries? You're getting the idea of where I'm going. Uh, he didn't come to condemn the world. It's not as a famous a verse, but the next verse does say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the, the world through him might be saved. So God has not abandoned us. He's not abandoned your he's not abandoned Winchester. He's not abandoned your county or the state or our, our our country or this world. He's not abandoned that. His promises are still true. He will he he will redeem this world with his message and with his savior. But then he's also not abandoned his covenant people Israel. You guys all support Israel, I assume. Right? Uh, we're, we're for them. Why? Because they're God's covenant people. 
So in this parable, here's the theological perspective really quickly. Israel is the treasure. Jesus sees Israel as a great treasure that is hid in the darkness of this sin-filled world. So the parable applies also to the church in principle, and we're going to gather some things from that, but you and I are not the main subject. We would be in the next parable, the, the pearl of great price. Hey, we're, we're a great pearl, but man, what an oyster, right? Uh, the oyster dies, giving his, uh, gives his life to produce the pearl. When you walk through the gates of heaven, what are they made of? Remind me again. We're going to be reminded that we're here because the the great oyster of our life died. And we're the great pearl of price that he's bought us in uh, with that. So principles apply uh, here. But this is simply a little parable about the history of Israel. All the history of Israel is told in our text today. Uh, You remember all through the Old Testament, you read these these kinds of statements from God to, to Israel. I will be your God, you'll be my people. We just sang it a moment ago in the, in the second song. We're, we're reminded of the words of that. But all through Scripture, that's His words. I will be your God, and you'll be my people if you do this, you do that. If you don't do that, then there's going to be judgment. I'll cast you out of the promised land. Others will rule over you. And we've seen all that come to fruition. There'll be a great uh, disbursement, uh, if you will, speaking there to his, um, to his people. So that's the imagery. Uh, so listen to this unique parable in light of these things. Jesus turns and says, the treasure has been here all the time. It appeared, it, it appeared uh, when Jesus was on the earth that Rome had all the power, because they did have all the power. Roman legions marched through the promised land unaware of God's promises to Israel. They, they just did. Uh, Jesus was rejected. He went and wept over the city. And it wasn't but a few years then the Romans came in and destroyed the temple, destroyed Jerusalem, and a great dispersion uh, begins to happen. Uh, I'm sure somewhere, probably near you somewhere, there is a Jewish population. Uh, there's a large population of uh, Jewish people near Cleveland where uh, April and I live. Uh, and that you, any country in the world, you'll find them. Why? Because they have been dispersed. And they are a treasure that is hidden in the world, the entire world, in fact. So they're, they're everywhere. They're like an order of... Uh, uh, you go to Waffle House and you get your hash browns, right? They're scattered, covered, smothered. That's the Jewish population in the world today. They're scattered, covered, smothered. They're, they're everywhere. So uh, remember again, Jesus has been rejected. The Jews have been dispersed, but they're not forgotten and they're still his treasure. So make no mistake, Jesus, just like the man in the parable, has bought the field and he owns the treasure. But I want you to see some practical principles because here's where it's going to connect to us. Uh, The man was not discouraged in the parable when he hid the treasure. He went and covered it up. And in fact, he had the opposite reaction. And for joy, it said, he went and sold all that he had. He sells all that he has to go to buy the field. For joy, he did that. It wasn't even like, oh, I better go pray about this. Oh, I think I better think about this for a few weeks. He didn't go home and ask the wife. He didn't check with the in-laws. He sold everything that he, for joy, I'm just going to go sell everything I have and go get that field. I found the greatest treasure that I could possibly ever get, and I hope I got enough to cover the field. So that's, that's this idea that happens. So for joy, though we are not Israel, here's where the principles apply 
for me and you. There's only one time in the gospel record that we see Jesus where it says that he rejoiced. He sent the 70 out, and they came back rejoicing. Uh, and, and when they came back rejoicing, the reason they rejoiced is Luke chapter 10 and verse 21. Uh, you know, they have, they've come back and said, listen, we've had power, just like you said, Jesus, over uh, demons and over death and all kinds of things. But then Jesus' response, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. It's the only time you see it in Scripture. He rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Israel's leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, the elders, the scribes, nor any of the Sanhedrin, none of those folks uh, were going to have these things revealed to them. The kingdom is hidden uh, to them, but not to those who follow Jesus and his kingdom. So Jesus is offering us, his Gentile church, his followers, the keys of the kingdom to do business here on the earth. And if you don't know this, we're to be in business as a church, and that's not to do mainly all the things we think the church is here for. Those things are sub-things. We're here to make disciples and to fulfill the Great Commission. And that is, that is the whole idea of missions. That's what we're here for. And Jesus, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom to get these things done. Now, as people, <clears throat> here are the things that we have a, have a very hard time and a struggle in our life uh, making adjustments in here in the world. And there are these three things, the pleasures that we enjoy, the positions that we hold, and the possessions that we have. Those are the things that we hold on to with a death grip uh, in, in our lives. Uh, we tend to treasure these things and measure our lives uh, by these things. Oftentimes when someone dies, if you'll read the obituary, it's usually those three things that are being talked about. Here's what they enjoyed. They loved to camp. They loved to ride motorcycles. They loved to, you name it, fill in the blank. They were uh, a lawyer. They worked at this firm. They worked at this bank. They were the president of the bank. They were this and that. And then some things about their possessions. And the people who are left behind, the descendants, that's what they're interested in. Right? Oh, what did he leave me? Uh, or what did, he, what did he leave? He left everything, I promise you. He or she. When you die, you leave everything. True? I have a friend uh, who pastors a church in uh, Jonesboro, Georgia. <clears throat> and uh, one of the Blackabies. Uh, I know you all know the Blackabies. But Mel Blackaby pastors there. Truett Cathy was a member of that church. You guys know Truett Cathy? No. You already know your head. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. For crying out loud, I thought this was a Christian congregation. <laughs> right? Christian chicken. Truett Cathy. All right? Uh, Truett Cathy attended that church 50 plus years. And many people had a part uh, in the service. I heard uh, Mel uh, tell this. Speaker after speaker got up and talked. And you know what the most amazing thing was at the end of the service? Somebody noticed something and finally said it. Do you know what there was not one mention of that day? Chick-fil-A. I'd have led with that. Right? I love me some Chick-fil-A. Right? My, my church was not far from where he actually lived. My secretary lived next door to him. Down, down, I say next door. It was down the same road, but it was the next house. And uh, a tremendously wonderful man. But here's the idea that wasn't what he lived for, amazingly. They talked about all the things he did uh, with the success, but they never, the word Chick-fil-A was never mentioned. Because it's come to find out it wasn't his greatest treasure. 
It was not his greatest treasure. So uh, if you're looking for joy in this world, uh, in this world, it's not going to be held long as the world measures our success and our pleasures and our positions and our possessions. Ironically, the hardest thing in our lives to change is our pleasures, our positions, and our possessions. You want to get somebody upset, start talking about taking some pleasures away from somebody and rearranging their position so they can do more for God, what I'm trying to talk about. Or maybe you should sell something and give it to missions. Well, I'll tell you what now. I don't know about that. Sell something. So here's the idea. We need, lastly, a plan for reevaluation. To see things for how they are and not truly how they are and not just how we perceive them to be. I should say it that way. Let's do not harm um, the theological perspective because I told you it's mainly about Israel, but a principle or two here applies for us. So we've said that. But let's put ourselves in this parable for just a second, me and you. Let's me and you walk through the field uh, together today uh, just for a little bit. And let's see if we can reevaluate our lives and maybe we can discover something greater to measure our lives by and I, I, three things here, is just as we finish the, the message today, and one is just simply this. There's a selling out to buy in. Uh, this is what athletes do. If you've ever played high-level athletics, you would understand this. If you've ever just followed high-level athletics, you'll understand this. Great players sometimes are stuck on bad teams. They will cut their salary to get off the bad team to get to a greater team to get to that which they value, which is usually a championship. They will uh, give up eating all the things that I certainly enjoy in life and, and start eating only the certain things that are going to help them have a body that will produce what they need to be to be a champion. Investors understand this. They could, they've got enough money to go do a lot of things they enjoy, but they hold back on some of that because they want to invest in some things for the long haul that they'll have a greater reward with uh, in the other. It is, it is this idea of, of selling out that they might uh, buy in. And this, in part, is what a missions meeting is all about. I, 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 Pastor Pat, I, I'm sure you do this every week. I try to do this every week. I try to make er many of the elements of our service showing our people that it'd be better for you to sell out and buy in. We structure an offering that we want to talk about for a few minutes and say, what we're doing with the offering is so great. It, 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 listen, why would you not want to just sell out and buy in? When you look at what you could do with what you have as opposed to you keeping it, and that's what missions is. We get missionaries up and we tell them, look, uh, we're building these buildings here in Nicaragua. We're reaching people. Uh, we got our uh, brother Hernandez in, in Iraq and the other brother uh, in Honduras and They've got things that they're doing and we're reaching people with the gospel and we're sitting here holding on to money that we could use, we could invest, we could sell out some things and, and buy in if we valued it enough. And that's the, that's the idea, right? If I, if I valued it enough, I might do that. And, and we want to present it in a way that it would just seem cheap and indifferent to not buy in because this is the greatest thing. This is what God's given us to do. He's given us one thing to do. The Great Commission. And here we are as God's people. Listen, we ought to want to sell out to, of course, buy in. So I hope every week in this church that you're, that you're challenged. And that ought to be, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. I, I, that don't mean we don't go on vacation. I'm just saying, I'd rather be at my church. I hope you have joy coming to your church. 
You know what the only disappointment I have today? I'm missing my church. That's the truth. I have such joy in being there and seeing people saved and seeing good things happen and having a part of what we're doing. I don't want to miss it. And I hope you feel that way about all of these things uh, in, in your life. So uh, I hope you see the great treasure that is in that and the joy in doing God's work if you sell out to buy in. The greatest thing my wife and I have ever done was sold out to buy in, to surrender our lives to ministry, to surrender our lives to God's calling, to lay down everything that we own and say, God, whatever you'd like to have is yours. And in fact, we are yours. Take us wherever you want to go. I thought that might be a, be a missionary in Hawaii or something. I end up being a missionary in Northeast Ohio. We're nearly in Canada for crying out loud. But I, you know what? I absolutely love doing ministry there. God has buried the place in my own heart. So, uh, as I mentioned, I'm from Arkansas originally. Some of you might remember another um, famous citizen of, of, of my home state, Sam Walton. I'm old enough to remember when Walmart was nothing. How many, you got a Walmart in your town? Right? How many of you go to Walmart? Yeah. The fifth store Sam Walton ever owned and opened was in my hometown. The fifth store. And it was a little nothing store. I remember it. Sam Walton would come to that store. I have friends I grew up with. Their, their dads would hunt uh, quail with Sam Walton. Old Roy Dog Food was his lousy old bird dog. And he was a lousy old bird dog. Old Roy Dog Food. Anybody ever bought Old Roy Dog Food? That, that's, that's where it came from. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, just, I just remember this. Everybody thought the man was insane because he went bankrupt a couple times trying to get those stores off the ground. He put everything into those stores. And then April and I were fortunate enough that we, we knew uh, one of the early executives of, of Walmart, uh, Mr. Hawk. And uh, April and I have been in his home a number of times. He made so much money. Uh, he had, uh, I think, four children. He put them all up in their own, like, whatever business you want to start, I'll just fund the whole thing. But I, I've sat in, at his table one day, him telling this story. He said, they, Sam didn't have enough money to pay us. He said, and I'd come home sometimes on a Friday, and my wife would be standing there going, did, did he pay you this week? He said, no, but he, he gave me some stocks. And he... And, <laughs> John Hawk said, my wife got those stocks one day off the table and threw them up against the wall and said, we can't eat this. This is worthless, just trash. And then he had a crooked little grin and he said, but you know, she, she has a new uh, outlook on that now. <laughs> right? Because all that stock she was throwing up against the wall made him a multi-millionaire. In that fifth store, I, I mean, again, I grew up there, the stock, the stock ladies, you know, the the little old women that have more whiskers than hair on their head and just the stock ladies. You know what they were? All of them were millionaires. Millionaires. Still happy there to be the stock ladies, you know, working because that was putting stock up, but they had stock, if you understand. What one of you would like to have been a stock person at Walmart back then? Come on now. Just pay me in, pay me in stocks. That's okay, right? We thought, I wish I had the same opportunity. Oh, he looked like a genius now to look back on all of it and to see that. Listen, there, there has to be sometimes for you to want into something, you have to have a reevaluation. You've got to be willing to sell out and give up and live without sometimes to have this great treasure. I, I, was, um, 
I had an opportunity years ago to meet a, a man named Leon Kilbreth. You know that name, Pat? Le- I met him when he was like 92. I'd been listening to him and following him, been at some meetings. He was Mr. Sunday School. Uh, he went all across the country, a revivalist. I loved, loved, loved his testimony. First time I heard it, I sat where I was at. I had just been called to preach. This has been 35 years ago probably. And I'm telling you, tears are running down my face because he talked about, he said, I, when I got saved, he said, I loved hunting and fishing. I had a boat. I liked to golf. I mean, he, man's man, right? I mean, just everything. And he said, and then I had some beagle dogs. And he said, I'd rather run those beagle dogs and rabbit hunt than I had breathe. And he said, you know what ended up happening in my life? He said, I sold every golf club, every fishing pole, every gun, and even got rid of those beagle dogs. He said, not because they're bad things. He said, I found something in my life that brought me more joy than all those things put together. And I found the other things that I used to enjoy so much to be just a waste of time to what God had brought me so much joy in doing. And that was winning people to Christ and being involved in evangelism and all the things of that. And so don't feel like I'm trying to say, hey, go home and sell your your fishing boat and all that. But here's the idea. Be willing to do it. Should God call you to do it? The people I've pastored for 35 years, all kinds of people have sold stuff and got rid of stuff. And April and I were the example of all that. It's just stuff. And God's good to give back and do things like that. But I'm telling you, I have found something of greater value to give. And I wanted to sell out to buy in. I also want you to know you've got to buy the whole field when you sell out to buy in. You can't just go get the one treasure that you would like to have. You've got to buy the whole field. I remember uh, before I had surrendered to preach, I'm 18 years old. My parents were in the real estate business. I had a real estate license when I was 18. And my mom, to help me go to college, she'd send me out to show people property and look, look for farms and things like that for somebody, you know, really go walk them over 100 acres here and see if they like the farm. And there was an old doctor that came, a retired doctor, who had spent his years, last years of his practice, retirement years in Romania before communism fell. He would go over and just medically help people. And so now he's retired, he's a widower, and all he has is a bird dog. And he said, I want to go, uh, I want to find some property that I can hunt birds on. And my mom said, can you go find him some property he can hunt birds on? Now, here's the truth of it. I didn't think there was a quail left in Arkansas. Y'all have that problem here. All the, like the coyotes that ate them with farming had changed. I couldn't find a quail to hunt. I said, well, I'll try. I took that man to farm after farm after farm after farm. Couldn't find anything. And then, literally, it's the last place I'm going to show the guy. We've walked 100 acres. He's slow. He's an old man. Dog is slower than he is and dumber. You know, I shouldn't say dumber. He's a smart guy, but the dog was just, I didn't think the dog was ever going to point, you know. I could see the truck. The truck is about twice the distance through the back wall. And I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, please, if there's a bird in Arkansas, let it be out here in front of us somewhere. And then like magic, it happened. As we approached the truck, six birds got up and flew. I thought, there is a God in heaven. The man turned to me and said, I'll take it. 
this is back when contracts were a little shorter. On the hood of his truck, we wrote this up. And I'm thinking, these birds could fly off this farm. <laughs> right? I mean, this man was willing to give, this, this 30, 36 years ago, right? He gave $250,000 for six birds. Do you, do you understand that? I mean, I've, I've been telling him, well, there's babbling brooks and there's deer and there's... But he was in, his treasure was quail. $250,000 for six birds so his old decrepit bird dog could have a place to hunt and he could go do that. But you know what he also bought? He had to buy the whole field. He bought... There was no shack out there. Uh, there was... Uh, a car over on its side, a washing machine, jumped, strode out in different places. And I'm sure it'd be this way here. He bought him a few skunks and some possums and a few snakes as well. Right? Because you gotta, you got to buy the whole field. Here's what we've done with Christianity. I'm about to that hard stop, Arnold. I'm going to wrap us up. Here's what we've done with Christianity. We want to make this a pick and choose. Well, I'd like this. I'd like the church to be there for me. I would like these things. Listen, you just got to get in and buy the whole field. Just, just get in and let the church be the church and you have a part of missions. You know what's going to happen in your church. You're going to run across a skunk or two. I got them in my place. Might have a snake or two. You know when you have bought in when joy is your dividend. If I took a camera and filmed you for five minutes while we talk about missions and giving, your face would tell you whether you're in or not. Do you have joy about missions and joy about giving and joy about being a part? And if you do not, you're living on somebody else's commitments and not your own. You can't be happy until you buy in, until you have a part, until you give of yourself, until you get all in on the whole thing and find the joy in doing it and let God's joy grab you have a part of that. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Pastor Pat is going to come and uh, give the invitation and such. Reminders from the Word of God. And uh, the Lord Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I know sometimes when we make a statement and we use that four-letter word give, dollar signs go off. But let's give up ourselves and trust God. Uh, when it comes to reaching our world for Christ, as I've shared with our Grace family uh, many times, there's three things in the Bible that God always, always smiles upon and says He's going to bless. Undeniable. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, God's Word says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You say, what? It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You say, what's that mean? Number one, it means most importantly, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is not the Baptist church teaching. This is what Jesus said when it comes to getting to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets there but by me. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus is either Lord or he's a liar. He's the only way to heaven. Not the Baptist way or the Methodist way or the Catholic way. It's the Jesus way. 
So if you want to please God, the only way you can do that is to become a part of His family. And how do you do that? Through trusting Christ as your Savior. As a freshman in high school, I, completely unchurched, somebody shared with me who Jesus was. Oh, I knew, I knew just enough of the story to make me dangerous. But they shared how much God loved me. I'd heard that. But then they shared how the sin, if I committed one sin, and I knew I committed more than one, that sin will condemn me before a holy God. Not that I was that bad, which I wasn't good, but God was that holy. He was so holy, one sin would condemn me for a holy God. But that God in heaven that loved me, loved me so much. He did something so that the slate could be wiped clean. Matter of fact, Isaiah says, white as snow. Can you imagine that? You're looking at somebody that, humanly speaking, and my wife can make you a long list, is far from perfect. But let me tell you the way God sees me. Perfect and holy and righteous. You say, boy, you're arrogant. No, no. It's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. Here's what the Bible, one of my favorite verses, I quote it all the time, 2 Corinthians, where it says, He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for me. When? When he hung on that cross. The Bible says in Isaiah that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why would he do that, Pastor? That our sins may be paid for and atoned for. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Boy, what a deal. October 15th, 1978. I was made righteous. I became a child of God. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not just by putting your faith and trust in Christ, but as a Christian, learning to live my faith, living my life according to the Bible. I, I like easy, simple, working definitions. A simple, working definition of faith is you and me believing this word enough that we actually put shoe leather to it. We believe it enough, say, I'm going to try that. And God says when you and I trust Him, when you and I give, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Malachi chapter 3, you know the verse. He says, you try that giving stuff and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing so big, you won't be able to receive it. And he says, we forget this this promise, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. It's interesting, isn't it? Three things. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Generosity. God said in 2 Corinthians that he loves a cheerful giver. As parents, we have to teach our kids, be sweet, share, be kind. And when they do, we swell up and say, that's our youngin'. God says he loves, a che- he loves everybody. But it goes out of his way to say, I love it when my kids are generous. So you marry faith to generosity... And then you marry it to the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. You take those three things, marry them together in your life, and you'll see God do some pretty doggone amazing things. I want to pastor that kind of church. I want to be that kind of Christian. And I want you to get in on it.
There's going to be some Christians. You're going to show up in heaven, and you'll not be there three seconds, and you're going to realize, I gave everything for what was down there. And I didn't do anything what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when it came to laying up some treasure in heaven. The things that really are going to matter. And I can't think of a greater heavenly treasure to invest in than the souls of men and women. What shall profit a man if he gains the whole world? Jesus, what shall profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Let's invest in souls. We're going to stand and pray here in just a moment. If God has spoken to you, you need to come to altar. Altar's open. Grace family, you want to come and say, God, how can I get involved in reaching our world for Christ? God, help me to do my part, whatever that may look like. God, I'm willing. Just show me. Lead me. And God, I'm yours. And maybe there's somebody here, maybe somebody online. You know you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. And while this looks like a mission event to you, it's really about a God in heaven reaching out to you saying, I love you. I died for you. I'm not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to repentance and become my child. Friend, you're a prayer away. It can't be that easy. Oh, it wasn't easy. 2,000 years ago, the price was paid and the hard part was done that you might become his son or you might become his daughter. Stand with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for... The privilege of gathering in this room. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for for Brother Roy and what he shared with us today. God, if there are people that, that have decisions to make, may we not leave this place the way we came. And Father, if there's one person in this room that's never said yes to Jesus, may today be that glorious day. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Grace Baptist Church is located in Winchester at 5990 Lexington Road. If you'd like to contact the church, phone 859-744-3091. That's 859-744-3091. We have Sunday school on Sundays starting at 9.30 a.m. and at 11 a.m. We also have two morning services at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. We have an additional evening service at 6 p.m. and then activities and prayer meeting on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Connect with us by going to gbcky.org. That's gbcky.org.